What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Game Time podcast. This is episode number 13. I am Jet, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Eric. Eric, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, episode 13, you said, right? Lucky number 13, in which I do believe that this could be our last virtual recording, because I'll be down in Tampa Sunday. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. So, and All then right. you're going to, obviously, you're going to drive up to me and then record and then just leave. I mean, why else? Why? You might as well. <laughs> well, no, we're still, we're still going to have to do it because I'm not going to be in Tampa until the end of August. But oh, yeah. But I mean, to... I think you could make a trip up and come see me because well, you haven't. I'm, and then... I'm not going to do that. I have you know, more important <laughs> things to do. But uh, really, maybe yeah. maybe I, I could uh, drive drive down and see you. And then after we record, I can kick your ass in the show like I was right before we left at the end of the school year. Yeah, that 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 definitely did happen. Um, I know you're probably gonna be a little rusty the first time we play again because since you haven't played, I I figured maybe would have bought it by now just because I know how much <laughs> you love the game and I I still expect you to eventually buy it. But yeah, I can't wait for that for that rematch once once we get back to playing again. Oh, absolutely! It, it's it's gonna be great. So I'm so yeah, maybe like three to four more episodes possibly of doing it online and then we'll finally be able to do it in person which is a totally different experience jet whole has, other ball game right yeah, there jet has only you've experienced it though with room 423 yeah. once but not regularly at all it, it, it'll be a lot lot smoother for sure oh yes we, we won't have to deal with delays and stuff so it the product's only going to get better from here on out so <laughs> absolutely so why don't we jump right into it in which Jet will go over the Instagram responses that we got over the past week from based off of episode 12. Yeah, so we actually had a milestone for one of our Instagram poll questions. This was the first time a question, everyone picked the same answer. Wow. And the question was, will the Bucks become a dynasty? 14 to nothing, everyone said no. Wow, I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised not one person. No thought, one has faith. No one has faith. I mean, Giannis could prove us all wrong next year. He very well could. I mean, I, everyone had their doubts going into this po- uh, postseason for them. He he would be the guy to prove everyone wrong again. So obviously, it's very unlikely with the Nets going to be healthy. Uh, well, the Hawks, like you mentioned, they're gonna be an up and coming team. The Knicks, the the Miami Heat, <laughs> they trade for uh, you know the, they're gonna be they're gonna be a very interested in some of the potential free agents. Maybe trade for uh, Damian Lillard. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, we'll, I think the we'll Big Apple is calling his name maybe a little bit. He may want to take a nice bite out of the Big Apple. You never know. You never know. Well, a lot of questions that are still left to be unanswered, and hopefully we'll have some answers starting with the draft, which is um, this this week, and free agency, which we'll eventually talk about down the line. But the next question I asked was, who is the best player in the NBA right now? And the four choices that I gave were Giannis, LeBron, KD, and Curry. Giannis won that vote, accumulating seven of the 18 votes, KD and Curry tied with five, and one person voted for LeBron, an avid uh, LeBron supporter, Josh, 
who has been on the show. I was surprised you, Eric, didn't vote for LeBron because I know that you have a big crush on him. Too. I have a big crush, but I also got to be realistic. All right, I can't, I I can't get over consumed with my crush for LeBron's. But obviously, Giannis at the moment is the best player in the league and arguably the best player in the world. We'll see if that continues going into next season because I think uh, Luca has something to say about that. Possibly a healthy KD has something to say about that. Possibly uh, Curry ha- could ha- say something about that with him getting his uh, splash brother back and Clay Thompson this coming season. And then I mean LeBron also he'll have a full off season to get healthy and hopefully AD can get whipped back into shape compared to last season. So all three of those guys could have something to say about that, and then other contenders also. Yeah, I mean, I do think LeBron's reign as the best player in the NBA has unfortunately come to an end with all the up-and-coming talent like Giannis, like Luka. KD and Curry will always be in the mix. One thing I just want to mention, I watched Space Jam 2 a few nights ago. I watched it also. Yeah, and I... um, it definitely I had low expectations going into it and that's that's what it meant. I think Space Jam, the original, was better with Michael Jordan. Not not that I have anything against I do have a little thing against LeBron, obviously, that as as you've guys seen over the course of the episodes, but it just wasn't sometimes the spin-off, the sequel is not as good as the original, and that was just the case with, with this. I have to, when I was watching it, I did also think I was like, the original is much better better the the concept of it was was decent and, and stuff i just it there wasn't a lot of uh foundation laid it seemed like it seemed like it just got right into it i, I don't know it definitely was not as good as the original space jam uh it yeah. it it didn't meet my expectations i thought it would be better than it actually was i didn't think it was going to be better than the original space jam but i it underperformed for me yeah, but um, the next question, now we're going over the, the baseball questions. I asked if Trevor's story was traded, where he will end up. Obviously, with the trade deadline right around the corner, he has been in a lot of the rumors. Sixteen, six of the 14 votes said the Yankees. How do you feel about that? How many was it? Six of the 14. And I'm sorry, I completely blanked. What was the question again? That's my bad. If Trevor's story is oh, okay. traded, where will he end up? Yeah. Uh, that's that's absurd. Um, that's just bogus. That's just a hype type of thing that's going around. I really, as a Yankee fan, I really hope that it doesn't happen. I I want to talk about it in one of our topics, so I won't go into too much detail. I just I don't I don't get that at all. That's I, fair. I don't. Yeah, we'll definitely get into more MLB trade deadline stuff in just a few minutes. But again, going on another Yankees question, I thought, why not throw out a little question about whether the Yankees will make the playoffs or not? And the majority of the people did say that the Yankees will miss the playoffs. Ten of the 16 votes said no. I agreed with the majority. Eric, as a Yankees fan, does have a little bit of hope left in this season. I very little. uh, I have hope for a wild card. Um, The weekend series against Boston where they blew two games and they actually blew a no-hitter this past Sunday, that's going into the eighth inning. That kind of killed the hopes of a of a chance to get into the divisional race. But they're only three back from the Athletics. But the Athletics just now made a big-time move at the trade deadline. So it kind of hurt the Yankees' chances, possibly. I'm still, I'm still holding out. All right. Uh, if 
if they don't make any big type of sensible moves at the trade deadline, I think that they will miss the playoffs and a lot will change in the offseason. Yeah, so the wild card is definitely a possibility, like you said, with the Athletics big move that they just made, which we'll get into in a little more depth coming up. I don't think the the Rays nor the Athletics are going to give up that wild card spot. They're going to be the two teams that will earn those spots come playoff time. So we'll have to see what happens, but it's something to keep an eye on. The final question that I had right now, who has the best chance of winning the World Series? The Dodgers and the White Sox led the voting with five votes apiece. The Giants came in third with three votes, and the Red Sox came in last with two votes. We both said the Dodgers. Yeah, you have to stick with the defending champs. There's no, there is no clear-cut favorite to win. There's not a team above and beyond the rest of the competition. The Dodgers, they're they're in second place in their division. Um, the Giants, you're still a little suspect in the playoffs. They're obviously a great regular season team, but sometimes regular season doesn't translate to the postseason. So you, you and then the White Sox, they're a young up and coming team. They got they just got Eloy Jimenez back yesterday, I believe, and he came yes. back in a big way. So that's great to see for the White Sox. So um, I. I have to agree with the Dodgers and the White Sox probably being tied for uh, best chance at the moment to win the World Series. Yeah, I think a lot of this is going to be determined by what moves some of these teams make at the trade deadline. If we see the Giants make a big splash, I mean, they're the best team in baseball right now, and still people are sleeping on him, sleeping on them, and we'll just have to see what happens. I think we're going to see some big names being moved, and that's going to probably swing teams in either direction so we'll have to keep an eye on that yeah definitely so now let's get right into the question of the day in which jet's going to present it this time so jet take over yeah so as everyone knows the olympics is going on right now after last year it being postponed to now now it's happening and a big story obviously in, in the u.s is our men's basketball team and they you know str- have struggled a little bit they they've had some Ups and downs, uh, players coming in and out of the lineup due, due to COVID and everything. But Eric, my question to you is, on a scale from 1 to 10, what is your confidence level in Team USA bringing home the gold? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being, uh, e- duh, they're taking the gold as what we priorly thought going into the Olympics. And 1 being, well, they won't even get a chance to get to the podium. Um. I'm going to have to go with, right now, they just beat Iran, destroyed them, I think, with yeah. by 50 or something like that. Yeah. So that's good sign. They did lose to France before that, and France is a quality team. They do have some uh, NBA players on that squad. I'm going to go with an 8 at the moment. I will go with an 8 because I know in the expedition games, they did lose. They lost to Jamaica. And they again, like I said, they just lost to France. They did beat Iran, but I think that all the they were going easy. They were being lackadaisical. Now they realize, oh shit, we gotta we gotta strap up. All right, we gotta get serious here because if we don't, we will be ridiculed, absolutely ridiculed. If we don't even win gold, they would be ridiculed if they came in at silver. 
Because, I mean, that's there's really no excuse not to get cold. Yeah, I mean, my confidence level right now in Team USA is a 7, so right right around the range. I mean, they're, they are still the favorites, no matter all the ups and downs that they have experienced. In the last three Olympics, they've gone 8-0 and won the gold medal each of those three times. They've won gold 15 of 18 times in the Olympics. They've, they've totally dominated. The last time they didn't win gold was in 2004. They won a bronze medal. Um, obviously, this is the first time Coach Greg Popovich is coaching an Olympic team. There have been some players off the record voicing their displeasure towards the way that Greg Popovich is running the offensive system, which I get if, if we're talking about a Spurs team that ran an offense that were last in three-point attempts and 20th in scoring, I get it's different talent levels and everything like that. But when you, when you have some of the best players on the world on this USA team, you kind of have to you know, maybe retool the offensive philosophy a little bit. Yeah, but the thing is, is that, like, you have Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant. If it was them two and then put you, me, and Josh on the team, I think we still would have had a good chance of winning gold. Uh, you, There's too much talent to fail. That's the thing. Like, even if you don't agree with the system in place, the team USA, the men's basketball team, has way too much talent to let to negate that from them winning gold. So, hundred yeah. And then one other thing that I thought was very interesting: um, after the USA team lost to France, uh, Evan Fournier, who plays on the France team and is also in the NBA, had this to say about beating the USA team. He said, "Quote: They are better individually." but they can be beaten as a team. And obviously that's that's what we've seen. A bunch of stars on this USA team that haven't been able to put it all together and have that camaraderie that we've seen. Some of the other teams like France and Italy and Australia, who some of these guys have been playing together in multiple Olympics, and they sort of have that chemistry built. So, I mean, I obviously we both agree that U- U.S. Uh, basketball team has a great chance to win gold just like we've seen in years past, but maybe the road to getting that gold medal might be a little bit harder this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So we want to move right on to the next topic in which, hey, the trade deadline, we're recording this on Wednesday as always, the trade deadline is this Friday in which just these past few hours, this past day, we have seen a lot happen. And even earlier on in the week, uh, big name players have been traded. Uh, the first big name to be traded was Adam Frazier from the Pirates, goes to the Padres. The Padres send three players over in return for Adam Frazier. Uh, I think that this is the Padres making a hard push to try and win the division and not just compete for a wild card. Yeah, this is not someone I thought they were going to be targeting because exactly. they don't really have a glaring need at either second base or the outfield. Actually, Adam Frazier, he played in his first game with the Padres last night, and he started in left field, so it seems like they're going to be able to use him as an option in left field. With they have Now they have four all-stars at the top mm-hmm. of their lineup with Frazier, Tatis, Cronenworth, and Machado, which is pretty remarkable and why not why not add another piece that even adds more depth to your your offensive production so i think it's a great move for them going forward. yeah the gm said that he will be an option for second base left field and right field so i think 
I think he will end up getting the most reps at second base because Cronesworth can slide to first base. And then I think Hosmer is actually going to be moved to the bench. Sadly, he will. He could be traded. He might be traded. He might too, be dude. traded. Or they should have just implemented a universal DH in which then Hosmer could have just become the DH. Exactly. And they, they didn't have oh, to worry yeah. about that. That's a whole other story. But, yeah, the DH should have been implemented. And that's a failure on Rob Manfred's part. Exactly. So. Another failure. Another name that got traded just these past few days was Nelson Cruz. To the Rays. Uh, the Rays traded four players to the Twins for Nelson Cruz. Now, Nelson Cruz is a full-time DH. But that's actually not really a worry. Because, I mean, when you see that, that kind of clogs the system. But for the Rays, they've had seven different players start in the DH position. So, it's actually kind of security. And it's just, bam, all right, that's our DH. And now, Austin Meadows has led the way with, I think, 47 games started at DH, and now he's going to be put in the outfield. So that that's actually probably strengthening their their outfield defense a little bit more, probably. This was a great addition by the Rays. We see we see year after year the Rays sort of add these um, not like you know cheap bats. They don't have to give up. They didn't have to give up a lot for Nelson Cruz, and he's able to now slot into the middle of their order, provide that veteran presence, provide some pop. Uh, at the fourth spot in the lineup, so I I love this move and I expect the race to to be busy come trade down with adding a, maybe a starting pitcher as well. Wow, I I'm a little surprised to see the Rays went out and got went after and got him because the Ray like you said the Rays usually play non big name guys they they get these like no name guys that come out of nowhere and really help the team win. I mean Randy Orozarena he I'm I don't know what his prospect ranking was at all, but I'm, I didn't know of him coming up. And I mean, he took the world by storm in the 2020 playoffs, but I mean, Nelson Cruz is the opposite of that. He is 41 years old um, and he's having somewhat of a down year, but I mean, he is a big name. I mean, he's still slugging it at the age of 41. Uh, he's playing like he's playing like he's in his thirties and that's, you know, he's definitely going to be useful come playoff time for the Rays. Yeah, the uh, next player we want to talk about is uh, he just got traded a few hours before we started recording. Hell, maybe within the hour of recording, and that's uh, Jet Starling Marte. Jet, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so obviously Starling Marte was expected to be traded after the Marlins failed to come to an agreement on a contract extension with Marte. Uh, an impending free agent after this season. As everyone knows, when you're trading for a rental, you're usually not supposed to get that much in return because the team on the other end of that deal may not be able to resign that player. So why would they give up a lot? But today we saw a little shift in the way sellers are attacking the trading market with Starling Marte now going to the Oakland Athletics with Jesus Lazardo, a former highly regarded pitching prospect, the number one guy in this athletics farm system coming back to the Marlins, which now increases the Marlins pitching depth even more to go with the likes of Sixto Sanchez, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez. I can go on forever. The rich just became richer in this, in this scenario. Obviously Marte is going to help the A's a lot. Uh, they, they're currently on a four game winning streak and they could use another bat to uh, in the middle of their lineup. 
in regards to Jesus Lazardo, he has struggled this season. He was sent down to AAA after posting a six-plus ERA Oof. in the big leagues. But we've seen the Marlins be able to develop pitchers like Trevor Rogers and Sixto Sanchez before. He still is a very high upside name. And if they can figure out a way to use his talents, and they, they were able to acquire him for a player that is a rental, which which – blows my mind and i think it's only going to change the landscape of the trade trading market as we move forward towards the deadline now are you kind of disappointed that you didn't get a offensive player at all because i know when we were talking about it last week you were hoping that the marlins uh, in return would get more a offensive bat yes i i am obviously the focus is trading for a big offensive bat but what I'm what I believe now is now that they've added even more depth to the pitching, young depth, Jesus Lazardo is controllable until the end of twenty twenty six. So they can maybe trade one of their top guys right now for a, a guy that's already shown what he can do in the MLB. That that's what my hope is. I don't know if that's gonna happen. I know they were looking at maybe acquiring someone like Byron Buxton, which is you know a little risky considering his health. But that, that's the type of route that I would hope the Marlins would go towards. Now, I, that's a good thought process. I didn't even think about that and, and how that could actually set up for them to trade one of their top uh, pitching players at the moment and then get that big offensive bat. Uh, the next player I want to talk about is a big offensive bat in Trevor Story, and mainly Trevor Story to the Yanks. A lot of rumors have been going around, and there has been a trade offer that was made in which the Yanks were trying to acquire Story. Uh, the trade-off for apparently was not good at all, so it was probably just feeling it out just to see what it would actually cost to get Story. It just, for me, it makes no sense for the Yankees because they are right now outside of the playoff window, and it would be a waste of prospects to try and trade for a rental. And I also don't think that they're in the position even to give him a contract after the year is over. I think they're the second second highest salary right now uh, in the MLB, and Trevor Story would easily put them at first place over the Dodgers. I I don't think this is going to happen anymore. Early in the week, I was really scared of it happening, but I would have hated to see that happen, and I think that would have... I would think that the front office would be delusional for them to take that risk. Yeah. Um, obviously, we both have said on this show that we think the perfect spot for him is the Milwaukee Brewers, and we still, we're still holding by that. We're not wavering off of that opinion, although there have been a few reports out there saying that, but a lot of GMs say this, that they're not going to trade their, their star guys, and then a few hours later, we see them shipped out of town. So, I mean, there's still still a few days left. Uh, before the deadline and obviously a lot of teams are interested in Trevor Story because another big bad they can put right in the middle of the order and give your team a little more pop heading into playoff time yeah uh now I want to talk about an actual team not 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 a few of their players but the Nationals they have come out and said that they are actually willing to trade the main candidate that could be traded is Max Scherzer in which he would he would obviously be going to a team look going for a championship not the playoffs like like i said he could i think a team that it could be very, has been connected to him is the padres in which 
if they went out and got him, they are now my favorite to win the division by the end of the year. And possibly then if the Brewers didn't get Story and the Padres got Mad Max, the Padres are now my favorite to win the World Series without a doubt. I think the odds of him ending up on one of the NL West teams is extremely high if he is moved. I think the Dodgers have a better chance of acquiring him. We've seen them be able to acquire some of these big-name guys in the middle of the season, and now with the uncertainty surrounding Trevor Bauer, I don't expect him to return due to all the allegations against him. The MLB just extended his um, leave a few extra weeks, so that that's something to keep an eye on. But another dark horse team, I did mention a little earlier that the Rays are one of those teams that I expect to make a move for a starting pitching However, this is going to be a very, very big ask from the Nationals just because, you know, Scherzer is Scherzer. The Rays aren't, you know, no, I mean, they aren't known. They're not going to throw away their whole farm system for a guy that is aging. And it, it is not something that is normal for them to do, but they are looking for starting pitching with the absence of Tyler Glasnow, who may or may not return this season. And if they want to get back to the World Series, this is the type of move that I think will have to, that could end up propelling them back to that spot. If the Rays were to do that, that's almost them being like the Yankees because of going out and getting that big name, expensive name. That's the big thing is that Max Max Scherzer is expensive. Yes. I don't think they're concerned about the age. It's it's the money. I mean, the the Rays don't like to spend money at all. They like cheap guys, and Mad Max is the complete opposite of that. So that would be astonishing. For them to go and do that, that would them actually kind of going going away from what is successful for them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, the NL West is probably the one of those teams in there. One of the top teams is probably the favorite to end up acquiring him. But I mean, I'm surprised that like we saw a lot of reports saying that Max wasn't going to be moved, and I know he has like a since he's a certain age and he's had a certain amount of experience time in the league. He does have a certain list of teams that he will not want to go to. I know there's a lot of obviously teams like the the Mets are on there. I heard and a few other teams that he just would not want to go to anybody on the NL West. He's, he's clear to go to. So we'll have to see where this goes from here. Another player on the nationals though, that they have come out and said that they're willing to look at offers is Trey Turner. I don't, he's, he's not going to get traded because the asking price would be way too high. And it makes no sense on the Nationals' part. I don't. He's he's arguably a top five shortstop in the NL. Why are the Nationals willing to trade him? It makes no. I. It, I don't even know why they put that that rumor out there because obviously they put it out there. Why would someone just come? You can't just come up with that because no one before the trade deadline period came along the week before. No one even thought that they were willing to trade. Trey Turner, but now they've said it. I I don't. Uh, he's not going to get traded, but it's just more of like, why are the Nationals willing to put that rumor out there? Yeah, I, there was a little, um, you know, a little controversy when he left the game last night. Uh, people were, you know, intrigued by the idea that he might have gotten traded. Obviously, it, it has soon since been announced that he tested positive for the coronavirus. Um, in regards to if he'll get traded, it makes absolutely no sense to want to trade him. He's he's young. He's one of the best shortstops in the MLB. 
although you would get a huge package for him, it's just not worth it. Him and Soto, they both should be untouchable. Exactly. But now we're going to transition now with our friend Connor. He is our guest appearance this week, in which we're going to talk a little bit about the Ravens, a little bit about fantasy football, and then we're going to do a trivia time once again. So we're going to head right on over into that. Welcome back, everybody. We are now joined by one of our good friends from the University of Tampa and Baltimore Ravens aficionado, Connor Palesh. Connor, how are you doing today? Thank you, boys. So good to see you guys. Ready to talk some football. Thank you for having me. Now, Connor, what do you uh, what do you do? What do you do? I mean, sorry, what do you major in at, at uh, Tampa? So I am a sport management major. I am a rising sophomore and um, I'm an undecided minor, but I think I might go into uh, business analytics, hoping to get um, some job in the sport industry, hopefully with an NFL team, either in sales, scouting, team operations, something like that. So trying to get as much experience as I can. Also like talking football with the boys as well. I highly recommend the minor in business analytics because that's what I'm currently (laughs) minoring. So I highly highly recommend that for myself. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Of course. And I, I'm i pretty sure, isn't your dream job becoming the GM of the Baltimore Ravens? <laughs> oh, let's, take, let's take small steps. I'm just going to try to get in first. And then, yeah. Uh, 10, 15 years, I'll, I'll give you a call and see how it's going. Oh, but definitely. Definitely. Please do. I better get some like season tickets or something like that. Then. Exactly. I'll hook you up, Eric. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Connor, we've obviously, we work together in intramurals for UTampa, and we also now work together for Blitzalytics, a company that um, that specializes in football and scouting and analytics and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So great to have you on. And obviously I have some hard hitting questions about the Ravens <laughs> and I'm sure Eric has some to some extent. So ready to get into it? Absolutely. Can't wait to hear him. I'll start. I'll start us off because I, I want to <laughs> get right into it about Lamar Jackson. So let me let me just read you a couple stats from his season last year. So obviously, he's he's basically a running back, obviously, and he definitely has the ability to improve as a passer. Don't get me wrong. He had a sixty-four point four percent completion percentage last year, which was twenty-seventh in the NFL. His throws outside the numbers dropped from 2019 to 2020 from 64.7% to 59.7%. His interception rate doubled from 2019 to 2020. And his passer rating fell from 101 to 85. Tell me why I'm wrong and tell me why Lamar Jackson is an unbelievable quarterback and is only going to improve as a quarterback. Well, a lot of your stats, which I can uh, see may not look super great on paper, um, when you actually watch the tape and you look at the team around, I'm not going to say that the Ravens have a really bad team around because they have some really good pieces. But you look at the Chiefs with what they have offensively in terms of weapons. If you're bad with that type of weapons, you must be trash. So the fact that like <laughs> Lamar having these, not saying the weapons are terrible, but having these average receiving core, running back core, and offensive line makes it a lot tougher to really perform and get the eye-popping yards touchdown uh passes and stuff like that so i'll point to two things right off the bat that pretty much derailed the entire season last year one being the offensive line being completely in shambles last year ronnie stanley gets hurt 
like week five or week six or whatever in the Pittsburgh game, our left side of the offensive line, we had to move Orlando Brown from the right side to the left. So our offensive line from that point just completely messed up. Center could not snap the ball. We lost two regular season games and the playoff game that we lost because of our center derailing drives that could have uh, put points up on the board. And then the second uh, point I'll kind of give, the wide receiver core being very, very subpar. Hollywood Brown showing flashes at times, but having drop issues, um, especially I think of the Browns game on Monday night, couldn't catch anything until that last play, which obviously <laughs> everyone remembers, which was great. But like a lot of the interceptions, you know, like Miles Boykin and stuff needing to step up. We have Bateman, who I'm really, really excited for this year. Should be good route runner, um, possession receiver. And then I'm not going to get super hyped up on Sammy Watkins. I know probably people will laugh at that, but he'll be good for the first like three or four weeks until he gets for, for week one. He'll be good for, like, for week like every one. Year. Yeah, yeah. Starman fantasy week one against the Raiders. <laughs> he'll get probably 50 fantasy points and then get hurt in practice, not even before the next game. So those are kind of two uh, starting points where I'll say kind of derailed the season from why 2019 was so good, even though we didn't have great receivers. The offensive line was uh, much much better, and I think this year. Well, obviously, we'd have a lot more reps, but Lamar, I guess, just got COVID. So there's another two-week delay with the reps. But I think if we can get the receivers in in a good rhythm and stuff like that, Greg Roman keeping to the play call. Um, you need to run the ball, but at the same time, sometimes he'd be too uh, reliant on it when there'd be open times to pass, and he would still be trying to do the same kind of run plays. So it's kind of find that right balance of play calling as well as just staying healthy. So we'll see. Yeah. One uh, other thing I just want to add really quickly. I think Connor had a higher completion percentage in intramural fire <laughs> football than Lamar Jackson had during the regular uh, season. Hey, I was dropping I was dropping dimes, but Nico, I mean, the Ravens don't have Nico, you know. As yeah, a, uh, true. As a receiver, so. But uh Connor, uh I I'm wondering where do you see the the Ravens in the divisional race because you talked a good amount and I'm happy you did about the 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 roster, sorry, the roster. Um I think that personally talent wise throughout the roster they're the second best team in the division behind the Browns uh the the court is still out I think of whether or not Baker or Lamar is a better QB at the moment for me but I think that the only offensive position that you guys are better at is tight end and I also don't think that's a very there's a very very huge gap in between Mark Andrews and Austin Hooper Uh, uh Hooper could very well have a breakout year this year and become a top tight end the o-line's harder to judge but you talked a good amount about it uh on the defensive side of the ball i think their d-line is better than better than your guys's but y'all secondary is much better than theirs i think the linebackers lean towards the ravens but that could change this year with the rookie that the browns just drafted so where do you see them in the divisional race well, I definitely see the North as a two-team race. I'm not going to discredit the Steelers or anything because they swept us, so I really don't have any room to talk. But this team is going to regress. I can say that right now. The Steelers are going to regress. The Bengals are still rebuilding. So I'm going to kind of not talk about those teams for those reasons. In terms of the two-team race about who I think is going to win, obviously I think we're going to win, and I'll tell you a couple reasons why. Number one, Lamar in general, he's a winner. He's 5-1 and one against the Browns. If you remember last year, that Monday night football game, the Browns were rolling. They were like on a six game win streak. We had just gotten off from having everybody back from COVID. Like this was our first game. Lamar was out half the game. We were up by like 14 points or 17 points or something like that. This dude leaves for half the game, comes back and we still win. So you have to think if he was in the game, we would have even won by more points. It wouldn't have been that close. Everyone's saying like, oh, look at this game. They were super close. Yes, on paper, the roster looks very similar. But I think when it comes down to 
to winning. The Browns are obviously getting there. They made divisional round very good. But at the same time, the Ravens are their boss. The Ravens are their king. And uh, until they beat them in like a meaningful game, I think it's December sometime, like week 14, 15, the Browns go to Ravens on Sunday football. That'll probably be for the division. That'll be a really good game. Like I said, we're five. Lamar is five and one versus Baker and the Browns. Um, a lot of the positions and stuff are tight. I'll give Cleveland credit, like running back, awesome. Baker's definitely a lot better. Their offensive line is great. I think defensively, like you said, our secondary gives us an advantage because you have Odell, Jarvis, um, Hooper in them. We have the corners to cover. We got the safeties to cover. We got the linebackers who are getting a little bit better. Pressure is kind of like where the Browns with Miles Garrett and Clowney, if he stays healthy, will be an advantage for them. But like I said, Lamar can just run around those guys and pretty much um, defuse any real pressure that they have by just simply running up the middle and making a guy miss for 50 yards. Definitely, definitely. Yep. Yeah, I have I have the Browns winning the division, but that's you know for a later <laughs> episode when we give our uh, NFL season predictions. But I want to go back on the touched a little bit on the draft that the Ravens had. Um, obviously, they picked Rashad Bateman in round one, which I I think it was a very is a very good pick, and it's definitely going to help Lamar Jackson. As much as I say Lamar Jackson is not going to evolve as a passer, it's definitely going to help his chances at improving. If you had to give the Ravens a grade on the draft, what grade would you give them? And if you want to go into a little detail on some of the other picks they made, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, I, I give it a B plus. Um, I, I, not quite an A minus, not because of um, the selections were bad, any of them that was like super, super questionable. But I think that we haven't had two first round picks in a while. And um, we could have, I think, moved around the I expected us to move around the board a little bit better, whether it was taking the two picks trading up a little bit higher to get someone really, really good. Not that our players are bad or anything like that, or vice versa, taking the two first-round picks, trading back one of them, and then trading the other one into the second, get a couple of second-rounders or a third-rounder or two. Um, I would say one of the the picks, Bateman, obviously, I believe will be the best pick. Hopefully, fingers crossed. He's going to be – I'm really hoping like the Justin Jefferson kind where yes, he comes in and yes, makes that big of yes, an impact. That's, if we get that, I'm telling you, it's at least AFC Championship game minimum if he's that good and the team stays healthy. The other name, Ben Cleveland, guard out of uh, out of Georgia. He will, I think, he played right guard um, in like in the uh, in college and stuff. But he'll be looking to go for that left guard spot because we kind of have a position battle going on right now with Ben Powers and a couple other people. But uh, Cleveland, I mean, he's like what six foot six, six foot seven, just a giant guy that Lamar can run behind, kind of get lost behind and be really shifty. So if he can be that that left guard for the next ten years for the organization, obviously that would be our best pick um, Jason away the pass rusher apparently he's looked really good in camp looks big looks explosive looking to take a uh, starting role but he's more of that's that was the kind of pick where I was kind of surprised that we took him just because I knew we needed an a, a edge rusher but just him not having that much production in college bringing him right on to a team that needs the production now because that's kind of like our weak spot will definitely be interesting so it could it, I'll give it a b plus but it could go up to an a minus a I love the call on Rashad Bateman. I actually wrote an article for blitzalytics.com where I talk about most likely to be this year's Justin Jefferson is Rashad Bateman. A lot of the similarities with Minnesota being a very run-heavy team. Obviously, the Ravens are pretty run-heavy as well. So I, I think it's definitely a possibility for Bateman to have that that kind of year this season. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Connor, a player that I think – needs to have a good season though i think 
Bateman, I'm I'm on this train too. I think Bateman's gonna have a great season. I think he's gonna be Lamar's top wide receiver because of how big of a target he is. But I think a more important player and a player that needs to have a good season though is J.K. Dobbins because uh, they don't have Mark Ingram anymore and they need Dobbins to step up and take over the production that Ingram put up for them if they want to win the division this year. I mean, what are your feelings around J.K. Dobbins in this coming season? I mean, yeah, that was one of the fantasy points I was talking about. I am so high on J.K. Dobbins. The last, I believe, eight or nine games of the regular season, including the, the Titans playoff game, had a touchdown every single uh, game that we had. So that was unbelievable. There was one play where I think it was that Browns Monday Night football game. It was a two-point conversion to uh, take like a seven-point lead where he literally gave a Browns player a concussion because he ran <laughs> over him like so good, lowered the shoulder and literally knocked the guy out. So once I saw that play, I knew even though he's a little bit smaller, he's not like a Derrick Henry, you know, six foot, whatever, but he's really, really strong. He's posted a lot of uh, workout videos that I think he will take a giant, giant leap. One of the biggest things to not get too carried over for is the yards because he did lead the league last year in yards per carry. But we do have Gus Edwards, who will be really good, got a contract extension, who's a very, very good number two. And then obviously Lamar not being a running back. He does run the ball when he needs to. When the pocket breaks down and none of our receivers are open, hopefully Bateman changes that and Hollywood gets better. Receivers blanketed, triple coverage, whatever. Lamar just steps up, makes one linebacker fall down. And that's where some of the running yards come from there. So don't be too concerned of Dobbins. I think he'll have well over a thousand yards, but I don't think he's going to be close to, you know, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Saquon, because that's pretty much all they have. We have two other running threats. I will say Gus Edwards, the running back and Lamar Jackson, the running threat quarterback who will take some of those yards away from JK Dobbins. But if you're looking for fantasy, looking for touchdowns, this is going to be the guy who Mark Ingram was on the one yard line. We're not letting Lamar go in there and get hurt. This guy's going to get the ball and score. So. Part of the reason I do struggle with wanting to draft J.K. Dobbins, especially in PPR leagues, because I don't think he's going to receive a ton of work in the passing game, per se. I I could be wrong. Obviously, Gus Edwards is still going to have a role. Lamar Jackson is still going to get a ton of of rush yards, as always. That's the only part I struggle on with J.K. Dobbins. I do think in, in leagues where you don't play PPR, he's a better option. But in regards to just being his involvement in the passing, that would be my only concern with him. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. It would take about through September to know whether this guy is going to catch enough passes or not to be a viable starter. He said in a, in a um, press conference interview um, during minicamp that he has been working on it a lot and has been really trying to improve that aspect of his game. He had a couple of um, blocking issues as well. Um, if you look back to the divisional game, he missed a really pretty much a key block on the play before that um, Bill's pick six that ended the game. I'm telling you, this dude picks up that block. We It's a tie game. So I think he needs to get a little bit better in that aspect, but that's not really a fantasy thing, but yeah. those are the two games, parts of his game. He's good on speed. He's good on his vision and stuff. It's more of just being a viable pass option because he did drop a couple of balls. He's working on that as well as his blocking, but that's more of just a team team success thing. Yeah, I want to transition into fantasy now. I know you had a few points. Uh, what is your experience with fantasy? Because now we are in a league together. So uh, I, I need to get a feeler out because I think I'm the uh, younging in the in the entire group. So, uh, Connor, what's your experience with fantasy? Yeah, I think I've been playing fantasy football since middle school. So it's at least been five, six years at a minimum. I'm usually in two or three leagues every year. So I definitely have a lot of... Uh, teams on my plate to try to manage the um, 
free agency board and stuff like that, like ads and pickups and stuff like that, as well as uh, doing a lot of trades and stuff. I'm a person that likes trades. I think it's a lot of fun, makes the league fun. Um, people kind of know that I will sometimes be a homer and take the uh, <laughs> the players that I'm high on. I'm not going to say anything like that. I'm, I'm writing that down. I got <laughs> <laughs> not going to say any names because no, it, like, it sometimes uh, backfires a little bit. Um, I definitely say I've had my shares of being unlucky with either injuries or a player on the, like, say I'm playing against Eric and he'll have some random wide receiver go for 60 <laughs> points and I'll lose because my team did great, but he has this one guy that went off for like 60 points. That's normally how my fantasy goes, but definitely had a couple wins, definitely had a couple bad seasons. Um, so it'll be interesting to see this year. I think I'm in four leagues, so we'll kind of uh, see wow. how this one goes. Yeah, I, I want to just get a sense of your your kind of strategy when you go into drafts. You don't have to give too much away because obviously we are we are in a league together. The the official first annual It's Game Time podcast, Fantasy Football League. Stay tuned for that, everybody. But uh, yeah, if you can just kind of go over like what you're looking for when you go into a draft every year. Yeah, so I think it kind of depends on the initial draft spot. So if I'm in the top three, I'll be in a completely different position as if I was in the back, um, the back half where it's snake. So you get to take, you know, two players pretty close together. So that kind of determines um, what I'm looking to do. I'm not going to say positions and stuff like that right here because you guys are like, oh, he's in the top three. This is who he's taking. So I'm just going <laughs> to pretty much mark that off. I'm going to make it completely, uh, you know, I definitely want players that are going to stay healthy, at least in my opinion, that I feel like had either a bad year last year or looking to be a lot better this year and have something to prove. Like I said, not going to say any names whatsoever, but at the same time, you do know kind of that since I'm a fan, I'm going to take some of my guys who it's a little bit easier to root for them, especially if they're on my fantasy team. So it's a, it's a double high five for me. My team wins and my fantasy team wins. But at the same time, sometimes that backfires because if I have too much on one team and the Ravens stink one week, then I'm losing two times. So I'm going to try to not do that this year, but there's definitely a couple of players <laughs> that need to be taken. Not on yeah, I'm sure Eric, uh, myself, and everyone else suddenly will be more than happy for you to reach on a couple Ravens players. Absolutely. So that, that definitely won't be an issue at all. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Jet, do you want to get now into trivia time? Yes. Yeah, so just one other thing before I get into trivia. Everyone, just uh, stay tuned. I will be going live with Eric August 1st, this upcoming Sunday. Time to be determined. We will be announcing the official draft order for this fantasy football league that Connor's a part of. So everyone stay tuned to that. You can see where we'll all be drafting from kind of lock in your picks of who you think is going to win the league based off of where we'll be picking the order. So that's something just to keep an eye on in a few days, but it's time it's, it's trivia time guys. And we're bringing it back again after several week absence. It is going to be Connor versus Eric. Eric has a record right now of one and two. Oof. He's looking to get back up to 500. The questions are a combination of Ravens. I had to mix in some Giants stuff because Eric is a Giants fan. And as, as awful it is, it is sometimes talking about the Giants, we had to include them for this segment. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be five questions. Four of them are multiple choice. One is just to say the answer. And if there's a tie at the end, I have a tiebreaker question. It'll be the closest to the number. You guys ready? Absolutely. Yep. All right. Question number one. The Giants and Ravens have played each other a total of seven times. Who has the edge in this series? Are playoffs included? Playoffs are included. Uh, Ravens. Yeah, it's Ravens. It's easy. It's Ravens. Yeah, we got to start off on a little easier note. So you guys both get a point. 
great job. And yes, uh, going forward, you guys can just one person, if you know it, just say it. We'll alternate just so we have both answers locked in. On to question number two. Marquise Brown and Antonio Brown are one of many pairs of cousins that play in the NFL. Name, uh, pick, choose another pair of cousins from these choices. Is it A, Stefan Diggs and Trayvon Diggs? B, Kendall and Kyle Fuller? C, AJ and TJ Green? Or D, Jason and Travis Kelsey? I'm looking for another pair of cousins. I'm going C. I'm going to I'm going to go A. I think it's the Diggs. It is C. AJ and TJ Green are cousins. What? Yes. Stefan Diggs and Trayvon Diggs are brothers. They're brothers? Oh yes. my. Yes. I I really don't follow uh, I'm not a big fan of Stefan after uh, a couple of uh, <laughs> encounters with him, so. Under understandable, but Eric gets the point for that question. It is currently 2 to 1 in Eric's favor. Let's see if Connor is able to make a comeback here going on to question number 3. The Ravens haven't had a receiver touch 1,000 yards in a season since 2017. Who was that player in 2017? Was it A, Mike Wallace, B, Steve Smith, C, Torrey Smith, or D, John Brown? I know the answer. I'm waiting for Eric to say it. I know the answer, though. Steve Smith. Nope, it's Mike Wallace. It is, it is Mike Wallace, uh, yes. Uh, you wouldn't, I knew as soon as you said Steve Smith, he would pick that one because uh, he had no clue. I didn't. Yeah, Steve Smith uh, had 1,000 yards, but it was back in 2015. Mike Wallace had 1,017 yards in 2017. He was the last guy to do it. Maybe Rashad Bateman will be that guy this year. We'll, we'll find out. Uh, On to damn. question number four. We have a tie game, two to two. Over the course of... Ravens draft history, which school have they drafted the most players from? Is it A, Alabama, B, Oklahoma, C, Notre Dame, or D, Miami? Oh, I'm going to... All time? All time? All time, yes. Um, you, you want me to go first? Since I've, yeah. Since you've Whoever, gone first every if you time? Know the, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Dang. Because, like, I'm thinking about recently, and it's, like, all one school, but I'm thinking, like, the last, like, five years, it's been all another school. And then, like, t- ten years back, it's been all another school. I'm going to go Alabama. I'm going to go Miami. It's actually Oklahoma. Uh, They've had dang. 12 players drafted that. from that school. Alabama is in second with 11. Yeah, I knew I knew it was super close. We've taken all Sooners the last, like, three or four years. I was, Hollywood, Mark I was thinking. I was thinking. Oklahoma, and I was like, Miami uh, is dead. Uh, not dead last, but fourth with six dead last uh, choices. But okay, I was, Damn, that was a coin flip because I knew back like in the round like 2015 it was literally Alabama, Alabama, C.J. Mosley, all those guys. All right, tie game going into question number five. We'll see if we have to use the tiebreaker. But question number five: the Ravens were one of two teams with three fumbles returned for a touchdown. Who was the other team with three fumbles returned for a touchdown? Is it A, the Dolphins, B, the Panthers, C, the Rams, or D, the Steelers? Fumble recoveries for a touchdown? Fumble recoveries for a touchdown. Um, I'm going to go Steelers. I'm going to go – I'm, I'm going to really hope I remember this right. I'm going to go This is going to cost you. This is going to go Panthers. You. 
The Panthers is the no! correct answer. They had three fumbles returned for the Jeremy, touchdown. I remember Jeremy Chins watching yes. one, at least yes. one of us. Oh, like, yes. wait, this guy no. ran it all the way back. Rams and Steelers had zero fumbles returned for a touchdown, and the Dolphins had two. Congratulations, Connor. You have bumped Eric to a record of one in three against our gets. Uh, so, well, de- well deserved, although there's you know a lot of Raven Ravens based questions. Er- Eric hung in there, and but in the end, Connor did come out on top. So great That's job. True. Yeah, I'll give him credit. Like the Mike Wallace one, I know I knew he wasn't gonna get that <laughs> one. But if it was a Giants one, I probably wouldn't have done as well. So credit to Eric, but thank you, man. Congratulations, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. But yeah, guys, that was episode thirteen of It's Game Time. Thirteen episodes. We should be back once again. I'll be down in Tampa. Jet will sadly not be willing to make the trip to do it in person, I guess. Blame him if you want. But, uh, Jet, do you want to give out all the socials? Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at it's game time underscore podcast. Keep up with all of our content. Another IGTV episode, episode 7. I will be talking about this episode and previewing episode 14. Like I mentioned, we are starting a fantasy football league with Connor and a bunch of other guests that have appeared on past episodes. So keep an eye on updates of that as we get into fantasy football draft season. Follow us on Twitter at GameTime underscore it's and even on TikTok. Show, show <laughs> us love everywhere. We, we really appreciate it. Keep interacting with us. Keep Keep engaging in the comments section. I know we got a little engagement this morning on the the Ravens post about, you know, the controversial Lamar Jackson <laughs> running back. Obviously, his and everything. But maybe Connor disputed that for, for the time being. But we, we have a lot to, you know, look out for this upcoming NFL season. Yeah. Uh, Connor, thank you so much for coming on with us and uh, talking about your Ravens, giving a little bit of fantasy and destroying me and trivia. Hey, always a pleasure, guys. Always a pleasure. But yeah, guys, once again, that was episode 13 of It's Game Time. We hope you enjoyed and continue to enjoy. Peace out.